This is your reminder, Black Lives Matter. This is Soccer Better, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We're Liz and Laura Ellen. Between the two of us, we have way too many years of graduate education to be helpful. We decided to journey into the world of critical thinking and the analytical side of all things soccer. Join us as we discover how we can all soccer better. Liz, we are back with more Soccer Better. There are a surprising number of articles, and I'm glad of that. But also, it makes me wonder if I should take more time to like read before I agree to review an article. Mostly, I'm just like, oh, that title sounds interesting, which is how I do books. I don't, I don't think it's working for me because I'm judgmental. Oh, well... I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with being judgmental when it comes to, like, the academic literature. Um, you know, a critical mind is pretty helpful these days. It's true. Also, I we do find nuggets. There are some nuggets, no matter how much I don't enjoy a majority of something. So here we are. Here we are. So today, or this episode's article is entitled Anticipation in Soccer, a Systematic Review. And this was done by Eder Goncalves from Brazil. I'm sure I butchered that. I don't speak Portuguese, unfortunately. Um, And Systematic Review, I thought maybe I would spend a brief moment discussing what a Systematic Review is. So a Systematic Review looks at uh, all kinds of literature on a specific topic. And so the point of a systematic review is to summarize what research there is on a particular topic. And it normally is pretty specific, as is the case in this article. Uh, And it's helpful in talking about where the field of research currently is and where we can go moving forward. And so that's what uh, they did in this episode or in this paper. It wasn't an episode. Goodness. I'm too tired for this, Liz. No, we can do it. Rally, rally. All right. Liz, what were your original thoughts on this paper? Um, so I was wondering if they maybe limited themselves too much when they found the articles. So I know that they ended up with approximately 60 some articles or no, they out of 60 some articles, they ended up with nine. Um, and the requirements for it to be free, I sort of get, but I feel like you are associated with some kind of profession that's researching this, so maybe that shouldn't have been a requirement. I mean, I, you could have, I, I mean, I don't, I guess I don't know what that means. Maybe they had access to a bunch of um, systems that they could look onto and they considered that as free, or I'm not sure exactly what free meant, but that kind of worried me. And then, the only the single article about female soccer players was immediately discarded. And he, like, the way that he described how it was discarded, I was like, oh, that that's not okay. So I'm wondering if he limited himself when looking at this because although he did get confirmation bias and the things that he found made sense, I don't think he really explored where this research could go to influence soccer. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And it, we could get into a whole very, very long conversation about publishing research articles and journals and how difficult and often incredibly expensive it is to publish articles in the peer-reviewed literature. 
so that's a whole other conversation. Uh, but to say you're absolutely right when only considering articles that are free, that has so many limitations beyond the quality of the research, which really is what you should be looking at. It would be it would have been much better to say, okay, we're only going to include articles that are of high quality, meaning their methods were rigorous and they were measuring what they were intending to measure, et cetera, et cetera. That would have been a much better way to select articles rather than to say they're, that they're free and available. So I 100% agree with you. And so what they were looking for, they were looking for how um, anticipation in soccer, so a player identifying where a pass is going to go from another player or you know movement off the ball, how that is assessed in the research literature. Liz, what were some of your initial thoughts about the results that they found in the nine articles that they identified? Honestly, it was no duh. Like, he consistently said, uh, so that the way that they did this was, in a number of the articles that he, you know, called, it was, you know, players of different ages and players in different levels, whether it was high school, college, um, even through the EPL and some of the EPL academies. Um, So... And he consistently said, and as you would expect, the EPL is better. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, you can only tell me that so many times before I'm like, why don't you just say it at the front? Like, if you're in the EPL, it's probably because you know how to anticipate better, which is fine. And that is a, a, a justifiable thing that you can find. But if everything, every item that you discuss, and this is a short article, so there weren't that many items to discuss, but every item you discuss, it's like, and all of our statistics found to a significant degree that the EPL was better. And I was like, oh, cool. But what are we going to do to help others? Like, how can we get them to that level? Like, what makes a difference for those players? So that was my initial thoughts. What about you? Like, what hit you right off the bat? Yeah, I think that is an excellent point. I think the, What's hard about this, and especially from a research perspective, is sometimes you want to do a systematic review, but the particular field of study isn't ready to do a systematic review because there aren't enough studies out there or there aren't a diversity of studies. And so this felt like it was almost on the cusp of that. Uh, I will say that sometimes it's helpful to do a systematic review Because if you, as a researcher, are interested in this topic, when you do a systematic review, you have a very in-depth understanding of what already exists so that you can move your own research forward. But in order for it to get published, like, I think that's a different question, if that makes sense. I think it, yeah, I don't know that this field was quite ready for a systematic review because I can tell you that their results section is two paragraphs long, which as someone who has written several systematic reviews and meta-analyses, that's way too short. Um, you know, I, yes. So I think, yeah, I think that was kind of the big caveat and the big thing that was sitting in my mind as I was reading this was that, okay, this is great and this is fine and well and good, but is the field really ready for this? But 
that has nothing to do with the results that they found. Did you find anything in the article that intrigued you that you didn't expect or that you would have liked to see maybe someone take up because of finding such an easy to read short article that had very few things to point out? (laughs) Yeah, I think I think one of the things, you know, and again, this is kind of the duh thing is that they found that with increase in age, there's better anticipation of what's happening, which is something that they talked about in their discussion section. And again, with the same thing with your EPL, you know, observation, well, duh, you know, the more, the more things, I mean, I think that's also why I would imagine you get to a certain point with your driving, like driving a car that you've seen and you've experienced so much being on the highway or whatever, that you're a better driver. I think at some point you'll become not as great of a better driver, but that's another story. Um, so I think, but and they, and they used, oh, go I, ahead. I do want to jump in on that because I did find it interesting that the, the U13 players displayed the poorest results. So U9, and then after you turned 17, had way better results than 13-year-olds. So I thought that was interesting that, at, like, you know, the younger players, seven through nine, I think, is the lowest they went. They had better anticipation of um, where the ball was going to go. It wasn't necessarily what the players were going to do, but where the ball was going to go than a U13 player. And I wonder what part of your hormones, like, frazzles that, that makes it, even if you've been playing that whole time, that you just don't have that capability to process that piece of information during that time and I wonder how frustrating it could be for coaches that maybe you've coached this person for such a long period of time and all of a sudden you're like listen I know you have hormones but why last year you you were where you needed to be you were ready to put the ball in the net and now you're like standing in the middle of the field and I just want to throw shoes at you yes uh you couldn't see Liz but she was waving her arm in the motion of throwing a shoe Um, Yeah, I wonder if it is like something biological or if around your teenage years is when like social pressures or being more observant about professional role models that maybe like 13 is around the time when you start getting in your head and you begin to overthink things. You know, perhaps at nine, you're just going with your instincts. And so, you know, I don't know, perhaps you can anticipate things better but you know perhaps around 13 although I mean I would think maybe it would be a little older but you like get in your head if that I don't know if that makes sense but you you overthink it right there are so many things someone go interview a bunch of will follow a bunch of nine-year-olds until they're like 15 and interview them every year and find out how much they anticipate on the field you do that yes our, our loyal yeah. listeners who have all the time in the next I just want you to spend six years of your life giving me some research, okay? I definitely think, and we will provide you with all of the appreciation and admiration for your pursuit of knowledge, and uh, I'll make you dinner if you want. Oh, sure. There will be lots of encouragement. Cookies will be provided. Cookies. Oh, perfect. Ooh, I might have to – you can make your um, apple snickerdoodle cookies for me. Yes. Okay, we're off topic. Okay. Oh, my goodness. So one thing I did think about um, was looking um, at different times. So looking at anticipation from at the beginning of the game versus the end of the game or uh, even into overtime. 
uh, I just, I wonder if, I wonder if anticipation, and I also, I don't know, there's, I think in the very last or towards the very end, um, I think, yeah, they talked about fMRI, which um, I think stands for functional, functional MRI, but uh, you stay awake and you're able, you know, they will, there's lots of studies where they show you pictures or something and they are able to see what areas of your brain light up um, and are activated by different stimuli. Uh, and I thought that would be an interesting study. And obviously you couldn't have, um, you know, people in fMRIs while they're running around the field. I don't know. I you just, want to I lay someone instead. in there for 90 minutes. Just lay here and watch a game and I'll ask you questions at random points. It's a long time. Right. Well, I, I, I think the other thing that really struck me, and I think this is more about the studies that they included or the studies that are available rather than the systematic review in and of itself. But I guess I, I don't know how you would do this, but why wouldn't you be able to look at anticipation during a game, like while a player is playing a game or like playing some kind of, I, I don't know. I just think like having these observations, right? Like you're watching a soccer game on a screen and okay, well I could sit and look, right? Anybody could sit and look at a screen and be like, well, I think they're going to do this, right? Could the couch potato who's watched 800 soccer games over the course of their life do well with this? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too hard about this. I mean, their study indicates probably not because they haven't been in the position where they're like receiving that pass or they're interacting with those players. So they did talk about how, like at first I was like, no, duh. So they talked about how practice makes you better at anticipation. And I wanted to no duh them again. But then they continued to talk and they said, but it doesn't matter how hard you practice. So it doesn't matter if you're in like a casual game with your friends in the park, or if you are, you know, playing at an elite level, what matters is how long you practice. So time is equal to about 13% of your abilities to anticipate is what they estimate. And I'm not sure how they got to those estimates because we don't see the underlying studies, but that's not insignificant that the amount of time that you spend you know, receiving and participating in those actions really makes a huge difference as opposed to how intense is your practice. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. What were other things that stuck out to you, Liz? I told you this is going to be a short episode, Laura Ellen. <laughs> the reason is I know. there's not a lot else that sticks out to me. I mean, I, I do think that it's interesting that um, there was the possibility to see 1v1, 3v3, and 11v11. I think that it's interesting that they took those different things into considerations. I don't think that they even quoted all nine of the studies that they say that they used. Um, I'm sure that they referenced them, but I mean, I don't know. It it makes me wish I had more time because I would be interested to go read those nine studies and see what I found, but I would also not exclude... So they excluded anything about um, goalkeepers and anything about women. And I just don't know why. Like, goalkeepers, I mean, goalkeepers especially, right? But goalkeepers and women have to anticipate when they play soccer. So I'm not sure why those were excluded. It would be interesting to know. Um, Yeah, I just, I think there's a lot more that could be done here. I guess if you want to be better, take the time to practice in some kind of atmosphere where you are receiving touches 
um, and you have to not only know where the ball is going to be, but perhaps where your teammates are going to be. So 1v1 isn't always going to work if you need to know where your players, your teammates are going to be, but it could work for if you don't understand where the ball is going to go or how it's going to interact. So I guess like there are small things, I guess if I want to start, you know, playing super casually or just get the feel for a ball, that helps me to know if I just take more time, it'll be better no matter how I take that time. Yeah, I you went exactly, I mean, you answered my next question. My next question was going to be, okay, so how do we take the results of this article in soccer better? And I, th- I think you touched on it. I think one of the other things that perhaps is important to consider is for, I think especially for high schoolers, right, that post-13 time period potentially, uh, folks who are really interested in playing at an elite level, whether that's uh, elite club level, professionally, in college, you know, whatever that looks like, that really getting into exactly what you said, Liz, right? Like getting into those situations where you have repeated, and I would also think, you know, unique touches with the ball and different scenarios where you're being exposed to all different kinds of interactions and body movement and all kinds of things. I think that will make a big, could make a big difference in your game, right? 13%. That's pretty, like that could take you from being a, you know, pretty mid to top level player to being an elite player. And I think that's something that's really important as well. Right. And I think it's important to note for this, that elite player here didn't mean that in those uh, training groups or in those EPL clubs that they were the highest paid or the star of the show, but they were someone who, you know, they said that those people who were consistent, who were the best at anticipation, like they weren't always a star, but they did a lot better with knowing how to get the ball where. So it was mid. It was a lot of midfield, mid defense. Um, so I think it's interesting to know that you you can get to that point. Like if you are feeling discouraged, or your you know child or significant other or your friend is feeling discouraged, but they really want to, you know, get better. Just, I mean, ask them if they want to just go out and kick the ball for, you know, another 45 minutes before dinner, or if they want to, you know, pass it down the street back and forth, like whatever it is to get that extra time to interact with the ball is going to make, it's going to make a significant difference in their ability to be considered an elite player. I don't think it is poorly written by any means. I just am unimpressed with the research and just based on our conversations, like I just like a meaty research article to kind of dig my my teeth into. So um, short short episode, but that's not, not bad. Maybe our listeners need a little break. What about you? Oh, I 100% agree with you. I am ready for a very detailed, complex research article. So uh, that's what we'll look for for our next episode. All right, Liz, this has been great talking with you another episode of soccer better uh let's go out and soccer better let's go practice guys yeah bye 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 thank you to our host the beautiful game network bgn covers teams across the mls usl championship and usl league one check out podcasts and written content at bgn.fm you can follow us on twitter at bgn soccer better Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. 
Otherwise, let us know what you think about today's show and be sure to share it with a friend. Thanks, everyone. Remember, you can always soccer better. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.